You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to another edition of Spits and Suds. I'm Gavin Spittle, joined by two-time Stanley Cup champion and Scrooge Craig Ludwig. How are you, buddy? Happy holidays. Yes, it's a happy holidays. I just got done putting all my Christmas shit up. Awesome. <laughs> You're such a Merry Scrooge. Merry Christmas, everybody. Okay, so after the show, like last week you made fun of me and you were shocked that I was in a sports hall of fame. And then I sent you the proof, a very nice plaque, and you didn't even respond. What kind of friend is I, that? I, I just didn't want to embarrass you with that plaque that you ran down to the, the dime store and bought at <laughs> Toys R Us. That's so not true. What, like, why wouldn't just a text like, hey, that's real cool? Yeah, well... God. Maybe because I didn't, I didn't feel that way. <laughs> well, fake it. It's an accomplishment for you. I understand that you carry it around in your car and your brief, brief box. <laughs> Wear it around brief... my neck, buddy. <laughs> no, no. Put it on a mantle. Nice piece of history. All yeah. right. You want, you want to talk some hockey? Fine, Scrooge. We'll talk hockey. All right. Okay, let's go. How about them Dallas Stars? <laughs> This is yeah. this is absolutely crazy, this turnaround. Craig, you know, I, I kind of mentioned this last week, but, like, I understand team meetings and I understand, like, dynamics, but I'm going to be real honest. This is a completely different team since that team meeting, like, on the ice. Like, we were not seeing what we're seeing now. Well, th- I, again, think things take time to come together for certain teams, and, um, I, I think you have a, you know, I think anytime there's any kind, I call them distractions, but they can be four goalies to me can be a bit of a distraction. And that can be conversation that players are needlessly talking about who's playing tonight, whether they're whispering to each other, the whole let's fire Rick bonus after seven games, that's a distraction. Uh, you know, this guy's not ready. This guy's not going and I just think that sometimes they can creep in and it comes to a point uh, as a group of players, and, and I'm speaking only players, is they go enough of the noise. And I think they just want enough of the noise. And, and the other thing is, is, you know, you, you've got some guys that are starting to produce in, in Rupe Hintz. But, and it's not like Rupe Hintz has been uh, invisible since the season started. He has been on the trot. He's flying. He has been flying. He just wasn't finishing it. And now they're going in for him. And, and I think for anybody that's a offensive minded player and so much of that is confidence. And um, now he, all he does is score every night. So, you know, they, <clears throat> what they have is they have their young players playing the way that they expect them to play. And, you know, and, and, and they're pulling them along, you know, and, and the other thing, obviously, 
is they got a couple goalies. And again, I, the sky was falling when, when uh, you know, Bones decided to play Holtby the other night. Everybody couldn't figure it out. But, you know, for, and this includes myself, we're all on the outside. We, we don't know what goes on in the coach's office and the player's locker room. That's why those guys are in the positions that they are, the guys that are making the decisions. And obviously it was a great decision. Um, it's easy in hindsight, but Braden Holtby was fantastic. Should they have, should they have won the game against Carolina? You know, they did. That's all that really matters, I guess, yeah. at the end of the day. But, you know, there were a couple of special performances, you know, one from Hintz and one from Holtby. Yeah. And, you know, Carolina's a good team, though. I mean, they're a top three, five team in the NHL. Terrific. There's a lot of people that expect them to be, you know, one of the four teams standing in a few months from now uh, coming down to the finals. And they're an in-your-face team. They, they, you know, and again, they're having struggles right now, too. They, I think they have a, they've lost four of their last five games. And they're one of the top teams in the league. So, you know, everybody seems to go through these kind of uh, runs. You know, there was a time when Tampa Bay, before they were winning the Stanley Cups, they were winning 60, 62 games a year. But they weren't, you know, they weren't getting it done at the right time of the year. So um, everybody has these things, and Dallas is going well. Is it perfect right now? No. I mean, the, the, I have a couple concerns. Um, watching Tyler Sagan. Yeah. And again, this isn't major panic, but I look at Tyler and near, you know, as the game moved along the other night, he wasn't taking faceoffs. Um, it looked like they were trying to find a place for Tyler to get some ice time. I, and again, you know, he had some major surgeries done and not just one. And so that's going to, we all, I mean, I think from our very first podcast, it was going to be, you know, give the kids some time and, you know, to be, to be able to get back to where he needs to be. And, you know, it doesn't just happen overnight and it doesn't happen just in rehab and skating by yourself in the summer. And, and even in training camp, you know, you need game time. And, and so, you know, Tyler doesn't look like the same Tyler we saw four or five years ago, but then even if he didn't have any injuries at, you know, approaching 30, is he going to look the same? So, um, you know, and, and the other guys, Rads. Yeah. I, Rads works his butt off every single shift but he's not getting anything to show for it. I mean, he's a minus 10 Sagan's a minus five on the season. If you look in just their last, you know, so they've won what five, five games in a row. I think it is now. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. They've won five games in a row. And uh, you know, you look at those two guys in particular, you know, Rads is a minus three and he's got two points there and Tyler has no points. And what was most, um, uh, depressing for me, and I'm sure it's way more depressing for Tyler, is in those five games, he had one shot, zero shot, one shot, and then he had four shots against St. Louis. You know, so th- that, you know, and again, th- the good news is, is they've won those games and they don't have everybody clicking. So I guess you can look at it and say, you know, once they're all running at top speed, they're going to be the team that everybody expects them to be. He has five more years left on his contract and that, you know, listen, I'm not going to hit the panic button, Craig, but at the same time, you know, it, it, it could probably take time, but you're right. They took him off face, but face offs, he was getting beat bad in the face off circle against Carolina. So they had to, yeah. yeah. And that, you, you know, know that's, again, that's kind of, they're that's both kind of top teams. 
and Carolina and Dallas are both up there when it comes to faceoff percentages yeah. in the league. So they're both team. And, you know, if you're having enough, and again, there may be something bothering Tyler. And, and what tells me when you're not winning faceoffs and you're one of the, you know, one of the better faceoff guys in the league, um, along with Jamie, um, and you're not taking faceoffs, is there a nagging injury? And it wouldn't be lower body for me. It'd probably be upper body. Is it a shoulder? Is it, you know, a wrist or something like that, that from a strength standpoint, um, because we saw him go all the way through playoffs with a whole bunch of injuries and continue to play. And they, you know, he was one of the guys as far as forwards go in top minutes because he was getting other things done than just winning faceoffs. What, what I, I mean, will Tyler say, Greg, turned I, into a 200 foot player. Yeah. What I did notice, uh, you mentioned 200 foot player. What I did notice about Sagan the other night, because I'm sure you can talk about this when players are struggling offensively, they mm-hmm. tend to wander. I, I did appreciate that on the defensive side of things, minus the faceoff circle, it looked like his positioning and it looked like he, you know, brought great attention on the ice to defense. Well, yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, and I give, I go back a few years when Hitchcock was here because he, he took Tyler and, and, you know, Hitch had another top flight centerman that he turned into a pretty good defensive player and name of Mike Madonna at yep. one point. And, um, you know, I think Tyler came to Dallas and, played a lot of his career being that that guy that can score the goals and fly around the ice and back defenseman off and things like that um you know and and you have to if you're going to be out there 20 minutes a night 22 minutes a night or whatever it may be as a centerman you have to play at both ends of the rink and I, I give Hitch a, a ton of credit and I think Tyler would be the first one to have a guy like Hitchcock that was demanding on him and but but really turned him into that player that that he's dependable in all three zones. And, and I think if anything, and that's what I mean, when you're going back to the to the playoffs when Tyler wasn't feeling well, and I don't even, what did Tyler have in the playoffs? Only a couple of goals, I think. Yeah. And then everybody knew that there was something wrong. Nobody knew what it was. Then it comes out later and you're like, well, that makes sense. Um, but he continued to play big minutes. And that was because, you know, his game is transformed, not just into a guy that scores goals. And, I, you know, and again, we try to talk to younger players about that too. You're a goal scorer at certain levels you know, you're going to have times where you go into these slumps and, and I would never know it because I was in a 20 year slump for me and I, I was never able to score a goal, but, but you have to be able to do other things that contribute. And when, when you have the elite skill and talent, like, a, like a guy like Tyler, he's got to be able to play at both ends of the rink and he'll fight his way out of the, the goal category and, and get back on the board. Um, you know, and I don't, he's not, I, to me, he's not the kind of player that, gets down on himself. The only thing that I've ever seen from Tyler Sagan is, and I think it's kind of natural. And we talked about this before is that when, when these guys have a hard time scoring goals, they seem to think that they need more, more time and more space. And unfortunately what that does, it moves you further away from the net where I'm a believer of you got to get to the net and you know, you're going to have to get some ugly goals. I think that's what happened with hints, even Gary on. I mean, we talked about that with Gary on. I mean, he's a Gary on is a shooter and he can skate but I think he was relying on a shot that came from distance to beat goaltenders. And especially for the young players, when you start making, you know, a complete lap around the NHL, you know, the goalies get to know you, the the players, the teams, they all get to know you, the coaches and the other teams get to know you. And you don't want to be known as just a perimeter player. And you got to start to navigate yourselves into those high, high traffic areas. And, and I think we've seen that from Tyler in the past. I mean, I remember a couple of years ago, three, four years ago, he was having a little slump and, you know, we, we, we were just chatting with some people and he just, just got to get, he's got to get more in there. And, and all it takes, it could take an empty netter 
or a goal to go off the back of your skate or off your arm and in the net, and all of a sudden you start feeling good about yourself. When you say teams make adjustments, for those listening right now, talk about what a team would do like Columbus tonight or Arizona next week. What would they do to slow down Rope Hints? Numbers. And you can't – Rope is a guy that if you're going to play against him, you can't play against him uh, with one defenseman. And you need numbers. And I think what's happened in the NHL as a league, they've, they've tried to address that teams are. And you'll see numbers all over the ice now. You can, you can watch a game, and for the most part, you can pause it at any time in any zone and you're going to see three, four jerseys in the same screenshot. And there's very few teams now that are not bringing people to the puck. And they're, they're using it to where they're, they're chipping pucks into little spaces and, and trying to create foot races. But you put in spaces where you've got another player going that way. And so, you know, if I'm, if I'm Columbus, I, I obviously always have somebody high when Rupes on the ice as a forward um, when he's exiting his own zone, you know, along with your two defensemen, and you try to squeeze him off with numbers once you get, you know, outside the offensive blue line through the neutral zone. Now, you know, what I would say is uh, I would want the puck off of his stick as soon as possible. The, the quicker you can either get it to Robertson or Pavelski, and they are the hottest line for the Stars, obviously, um, I, you know, you have to pick the lesser of three evils. And, and I, I would think that if you could get it off of his stick the way that he's going, um, it would it would translate into possibly better things. But Columbus has got bigger problems right now than Rupe Hintz. Um, both of their goalies are out with COVID. So they are they had to call up a kid by the name of Daniel Tarasov um, from their American League team in the Cleveland Monsters. Yeah. So I would assume right now there are some guys uh, – drooling drooling at the mouth right now and this could be exactly what Tyler Sagan and Radulov and some of these guys that haven't uh you know put some numbers up in the last uh, week or two they they may be looking at this is the one that gets them off the schneid true I will always say though sometimes these you know goalies coming up similar to a starting pitcher coming up in the major leagues really haven't you know teams don't have the updated analytics on them as much as if they were playing for a while so you never know they could be dangerous yeah, well, here's your analytics. He's over three goals against, and he's got a save percentage of 895. <laughs> All right. That's so that, those are the analytics, only analytics those guys in the locker room are going to look at. Well, I, you know what? I think one of this winning streak. And he's only with- played six games of four goalies that that club has. So that doesn't mean he he's up there in the rotation really high either for the Monsters. Look at Craig Ludwig going down to the American League for analytics. That's impressive, sir. I do my research, you know, even kind of like you, you know, when some guys are hurt once in a while and <laughs> you know, if they're not going to be in the lineup that night, we edited that part out, podcast last week, <laughs> we edited that part out. That's the beauty of it. I'm podcast. sure you did. Yep. You probably put a picture of your trophy in there. <laughs> <laughs> if there was a space, I, you know, I, I certainly would, you know, one, one guy I definitely want to mention. I mean, it's not worth talking about, but, um, a future head coach, Pascal Vincent, is in town tonight. He's the associate coach for uh, Columbus. The reason I say that, he was in the Winnipeg Jets uh, system, very uh, high with uh, the Manitoba Moose. He was the head coach of the Manitoba Moose, and Paul Maurice uh, relied on him a lot. 
Now he's in Columbus. I can see him in the next few years being elevated into a head coach position. So just wanted to put that name on the radar, Pascal uh, Vincent. So Columbus tonight. Look at you, look at you doing. You're reading some press clippings. No, that's somewhere. not press clippings at all. Isn't it, isn't it interesting? Well, we'll see how good this cat is because right yeah. now there could be a new coach in Philly. There could be a new coach in okay. Ottawa. There could be a new coach in Vancouver. Yeah. There could be a new coach in Arizona, although they just hired him. But so there's going to be a couple job openings here, I, I would think, within the next month or so if things keep going the way they are for a few of these teams. So when Jim Montgomery was before he was being hired, I put my top list of coaching candidates and I wrote an article and Pascal Vincent was the top of my list. Because oh, I like so how that's why you're Jets bringing it up. Play. <laughs> because you were foreshadowing. I'm just letting you know. I'm just, you know, I mean, okay. <laughs> I'm just letting well, you know. Because I've been listening quite a bit in the last week. And your boy Pascal has his name hasn't come up with any replacements. That's fine. That's fine. Firing well, other guys. You know so. what? It it just hey, listen. That's my opinion. It's like Gerard Gallant, you know, who sat just basically for a year, and look what the Rangers are doing. And people can say, well, you know, I mean, the Rangers are off to a hot start. Well, that's great. Seems like everywhere Gerard Gallant goes, he's off to a hot start. Well, it helps having a couple good goaltenders. I get it. I get it. But he's yeah. a good coach. He's a great coach. He should have never been fired in Vegas. Oh, I know. You know, and so I called some people in Vegas about that. And basically they told me that like he was well liked and everything. It's just Vegas was so eager to take it over the top. It was just so it's so fascinating when you look at Vegas, like the eagerness just to like, we got to win the cup now. And it's like, man, you guys just got started a few years back and they've just completely changed their, you know, team and traded some of their prospects because it's like they're in a now mode. I've said that, what, uh, a few weeks ago. And and to me, there are times when, you know, they have these big signings, they bring in the biggest dog and, uh, you know, they're, 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 they're so adamant about moving players in and moving out. They went and took a, a player that had to have neck surgery. And so they've got Jack Eichel coming in and um, we'll see how that is and talk about taking a chance on a player. He'll probably be fine and be a very good player for him. But I would think at times, if you're a free agent, um, you may be a little bit leery at times. You know, the track record that they have in the last four or five years, if they brought players in and signed them to five, six, seven, eight-year deals, and then they're gone in two years. So, um, and they're chasing it. You know what I mean? And and you really have to, and, and I I, re- I don't think that their general manager in Macrino, I don't think that that is, that's all his doing. I, I think that really directly starts at the top. And, and I think they've got an owner that can do whatever he wants because he's the one that put all the money into it. And um, I think he's very anxious and I think you start chasing that trophy and sometimes you just got to let it come to you and you got to let things kind of play out the way they are. And you got to let players get to know each other over the course. Look at Colorado. I mean, the Avs have had a, a real, real good team and and then they're going through their growing pains. And, and so, but it, you know, I would think, and they've got a very young club. They've got a very talented club. Um, they've got a goaltender this year in Kemper that probably isn't working out exactly the way that they hoped. Um, but that seemed to be the, the issue with that team. Um, they felt last year and, um, but I think that they're a team that we all thought would be there at the end of this year. I I think that was to be a team that you would expect to be playing Vegas in the, in the, you know, conference finals this year, but, um, hasn't gone real well for them. Uh, at least early on this year, but they've had McKinnon's up been out a couple different times and, you know, they've had their issues with a couple injuries also. So um, yeah, sometimes the, you know what, 
<laughs> there's only one team that gets it right every year. You know, whether it's the trade deadline, it's off season, there's only going to be one team that made the right move or, and sometimes the best move is to not make one at all. So, yeah. you know, it's yeah. interesting. Yeah, absolutely. You're listening to spits and suds. Thanks to all of you that, uh, Listen and get your hockey fix from myself, Gavin Spittle, and two-time Stanley Cup champion Craig Ludwig. I wanted to mention Rick Bonus because I was one of those guys that thought that a coaching change need needed to happen. And this is a nice winning streak. But I do want to mention, when you're on the bench, whether it be an assistant coach role or a head coaching role, and you reach the 2,500-game mark, which is more than anyone in the history of the NHL, you got to be doing some stuff right. So kudos and uh, kudos to Rick Bonus, who was coaching back when he was facing a mighty defenseman named Craig Ludwig. Well, I guess you would say that he's a lifer. And, yeah. you know, probably assistant coaches, I don't know if there's any, as a matter of fact, that have gone into the Hall of Fame. Um, head coaches go into the Hall of Fame for, you know, finishing at the top of the NHL after X amount of years being in, in wins and things like that. but. Um, they do have another category and it's called the builders category. And I just wonder, because if, if, if you've been in the league this long, 2,500 games, I don't care head coach, assistant coach, or whatever it is, you had a hand in building a lot of players. And I I'm, I'm sure that the builders category has something to do with building the game and things like that. But, um, I, I have a funny feeling that there of the 2,500 games he's coached, there are a lot of players that have a lot of great things to say about Rick Bonus. Every single coach, every organization that he's worked for, all have great things to say about him. Um, I don't, I don't, I've never heard anything personally um, negative, and and I just, I mean, you look at those numbers. Um, you know, I, I hope he gets a shot. I hope his name gets mentioned at some point, um, to be sticking around this long and, and doing these, this job that his name gets mentioned in the hall of fame, because I think there's spots for guys like that. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And, and like I said, whether it's an assistant coach role or, you know, obviously give him some credit as a head coach, but still, yeah, definitely hall of fame worthy. And what I, I think the most impressive aspect is, He's at that age where it could be the case where player relatability fades. And it's almost seemed like his relatability with players has gotten stronger. And, uh, you know, and that's impressive because, you know, once again, there's a huge age difference. Well, I, I think that's why he's been around so long. Because, again, the, not maybe not now as much, but you go back starting, I don't know, 10 years ago, back to the 40s, um, head coaches were hard. And they weren't the nicest of people. And they didn't say the nicest of things to their players. And there was a different way to motivate at that time. So where Bones has come in is he's been the ultimate buffer between the player and the head coach. And when coaches can say things that piss players off, especially your top players, and they just don't want to play because of somebody hurt their feelings. It ultimately falls on the shoulder of that guy. And, and I think that's been one of his, and maybe his biggest strength is to be able to rate relate to the player 
And, you know, and everything I've heard the first, you know, you come in in the mornings, uh, you know, Bones isn't asking, talking to you about the game. He's asking about what, what happened last night at home and, you know, how's your family and how are your kids doing and things like that. It's more on the personal side of things. And that's why I give him credit for going from that role to a head coaching role with the same team, not with a different team, <clears throat> but as an assistant coach with the team, you build those relationships. And all of a sudden, then you get asked to be the head coach. And then he took the team, you know, the finals and he gets, you know, he gets a new contract, comes back as a head coach. Um, you have to change your tactics a little bit. You can't be that same guy. And I think what, what Rick has done is he's find he's found some happy medium in between it, an assistant guy and a head guy. And to be able to relate to the players, because the first thing I will tell you, having assistant coaches in the past, and then all of a sudden they become a head coach and maybe you're on a different team. He was an assistant coach on one team and now he's your head coach. The first thing players say is, Oh my God, did he change? And, and it's because they have to, because they're, they're, they're in a, you know, they're in that, that big authority figure role. And, and I think Rick has done a, a real good job, however it is to be able to balance that and to be, and keep some of that assistant uh, coach mentality, philosophy, how he works and talks and manages players. And then, you know, dabble into being the head guy and, you know, carrying the bigger stick. And so you got to give them credit for being able to adapt to all those guys. Best coach you ever played for? Uh, best coach. Um, you know, I, I, I guess I'd have to say Hitch. And the reason I say Hitch, I've had some good coaches. I've had some shitty coaches. Um, best coach was Rick Wilson. Rick Wilson was a D coach. I had Rick in, in college. Um, and I, I'm assuming you mean head coaches. And I, I'd say, I'd say Hitch. And the reason for that is because he was the first guy that in my career, where when, when he came in, was he treated, he treated, it's not like he treated guys like me, like, like the superstars. It was more important to me that he treated the superstars more like me. And, and when you're, you know, when you're, you're just another player on a team versus, you know, those guys, the, the, the guys that win your games, they get more rope. They get more freedom to do things. They can make mistakes when you can't make mistakes and they can get away with things that you can't get away with because they know that they're dependent on. And, and I, I, I think what was refreshing is, is Hitch would hold the top guys accountable as much as he was hold the rest of us. And that was, it was a change. It was refreshing. And, you know, I, I appreciate that. And it's nice to hear somebody else get shit. It's nice to hear that the same guys, when you come off of a, a five day road trip and your plane lands at night and the next morning, you know, there's only seven, eight, nine of you that are going in for that mandatory optional skate and, and the same guys always get the day off and, and they deserve it. I'm not saying that didn't, they did deserve it because they played more minutes, bigger minutes, things like that. But it's nice when, when they didn't do their job, they get called to the carpet too. That doesn't happen very often. So that's why I, I look at Hitch and, and I believe that was a big reason why our team in Dallas you know, ultimately got to where we wanted to go because we were all in the same boat together. There, there weren't a couple guys, you know, living on the 12th floor while the rest of us were living in the basement. We were all in it together. It is Twitter mailbag time. Are you ready for this, Craig? Hit me. Are you even active on Twitter? I'm, I read Twitter, but I say too many dumb things and I get myself in trouble. So I just fight it every day and I don't, 
I don't put things out there. Just give me your username and password, and all of a why? sudden it'll flourish. Why? Why am I giving it to you? You're gonna send me pictures of your your tennis award? No, no. I'll throw up like really good hockey opinions. My my, it's Taz thirty three eleven. It's just everything's Taz thirty three eleven. Okay, <laughs> everyone follow Taz thirty three eleven. And you'll get no feedback. Well, there's nothing to follow, though. I know <laughs> you can follow it all you want. <laughs> Let me make you a social media champion. What about Instagram? You gramming? Wait, are you? Are, no. Are you gramming? No. 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 no, no. <laughs> I, you know what? And the re- only reason, the only reason I'm even on Twitter yeah. is how many ever years ago it was, it became an arms race for reporters to get the lineups out in the morning as quick as possible. And they were doing it on Twitter. Yeah. And it, you, I mean, and so I just started following all the reporters because, you know, they get all the scoops on the inside and when things are happening and when you're going up to do a, a game and you want to know who's in the lineup, you don't have to wait all the way through morning skate and then go talk to the coaches after because these guys have already put it out. And so that's how I actually even got involved in it. And it was more just following along and, and, you know, it, it pops up, here's the goalie. Here's the, here's who's out. Here's who's in. Here's who's got COVID. Here's who forgot to check his watch at 2 a.m. when you were supposed to be in at 11 and you're not playing tonight. All those little kind of details kind of pop up on there. Okay. But thank God it was never around when we played. (laughs) Yeah, I know. You'd get some good uh, pics of you on Instagram. I don't know if they'd be good, but there'd be some on there. (laughs) Oh, they'd be real good. (laughs) Think Catherine Street, baby, right? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, (laughs) At who is Mr. John Galt ass? With Otter's recent play and Holtby returning, do you see the Stars attempting to move Doby? If unable to move him, uh, do you think he ends up on waivers with hope someone claims him and gives us much-needed cap relief for the deadline? So – I'll just say that Anton Hudobin has a modified modified no-trade clause, and what that means is is that if the Stars wanted to trade him, they need to notify him, and then he provides a list of teams that he would not want to go to. I believe it's within 24 hours of being told that he could be traded or at least put out there to be traded. So there's that difficulty, and... I also think right now, while you're winning, while you have a current roster that's upbeat, correct me if I'm not wrong, Craig, I mean, I think it's okay to park a goalie because we don't know the health of Holtby, and we don't know if Ottinger, I mean, granted he's younger, but he might go down with an injury. And it's nice to have a guy like Hudobin ready to go. It is, but I I still, like I said earlier, I, I think it can be a distraction, and Doby is not a distraction. Um, I think if there's a bonus to anything, and I think that's why they're doing what they're doing is they, cause they know that they're not, and he's not, he's a great team guy. Um, but you know, when you talk about modified trade lists, that can be anywhere from six teams to 12 teams to 16 teams. So depending on what that, that number is, I think it would be I think it would be relatively easy to move and be honest with you. I don't think you're going to get, you're never going to get the perfect deal. And especially when you're not really dealing from a position of strength, everybody, everybody on the planet right now that now that has anything to do with hockey knows that Dallas has four goaltenders sitting here. Yeah. So they know that at some point, somebody's going to need to be moved. And, and don't think that Doby doesn't have the feeling right now. 
I mean, you know, he's not, he's been sitting out. He's not injured. Ottinger and Holtby, Holtby was injured and he still sat on the bench for a game and he wasn't healthy. And so the, I think the writing's on the wall as far as that goes. Um, I think that there would be teams that, I mean, you look around and, you know, what's the most important position, um, you know, you want that. And I think his track record of being a backup guy is, is obviously great. Um, he took a team to the Stanley Cup when he had an opportunity to be the starter. And it was his first time as a starter. So, and you watch the way that he competes. Um, I think you can move him. And I think at some point, if you are making that decision, you sometimes you just do what's best for the player. Um, you know, especially if it's a young guy. Well, that doesn't fall in the case for, for Dobie. But, um, but yeah, I, I think that, that he will be the guy that gets moved. Because at the end of the day, would you take Ben Bishop? I, you know what you're going to no. get with Ben? And again, at four or five million, five and yeah. a half, whatever Ben's making, it's 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 more about dependability. Um, unfortunately for Ben, who is obviously a very very good goaltender when healthy, it's always come down to the same thing. Way too often is you know the dependability um, factor isn't isn't good enough, and you don't know if you can count on Ben um for five games or 20 games or you know so now like you say what happens if you move um adobe and hope he does get hurt and yeah. now you're sitting there with ben so you know there's a lot of things that you got to weigh there but um Braden Holpe, i i you know again i i don't think he's been a guy that's been oft injured like like a ben bishop and and he he is back to to me I said this in the beginning. I even in the beginning when the Stars weren't winning games, I thought Holtby was great. I thought he played really well. He did. And I think maybe when the games that didn't go so well, maybe this injury, whatever it was, that may have been contributing to some some saves that he wasn't able to make at that time. And you know, and again, he's I mean, he's got he's a Stanley Cup guy. So he's been there, he's done that. And when do you want that guy healthy? You want him healthy um from the middle of March on. I know the room really likes Jake Ottinger, um, and I know that his maturity was very impressive in the bubble as far as like taking it all in and learning, and I think his players embrace that. But when a guy gets knocked in the head like he did the other night and goes out per con- concussion protocol and then comes back in when the Stars clearly had the game in hand, how does that affect the room? Uh, I don't, I don't think it affects the room and I, I don't really? think he, I don't think he was knocked out. Well, not, you know what I'm saying? I mean, the NHL, I mean, rightfully so they have the spotter there an independent spotter and the spotter clearly identified that it was a blow to the head and the player stayed down for a good period of time. So he needed to get pulled, but I'm just saying like, you know, you could have sat him for the rest of the game, but I, I, it doesn't show the replays. The player, if you saw the replays on that, I think what, he was doing when he was down selling it you can see him peeking up okay and i think what he's looking for he's looking for a little chatter with the referee from other players he's looking to see what the um linesman and referee are talking about and i think he's trying to sell it i you know again i i don't know any of that for a fact but when when a goaltender gets hit and he's ko'd whether it's for five seconds or they're down they're not looking around they're not moving 
And th- to me, there was maybe a little gamesmanship going on. Now, maybe it lasted a little bit too long that he, you know, a spotter did, you know, pick up on it. But, you know, again, that's just a lesson a young kid's going to learn. So, um, you know, and again, as he's as he was exiting the ice, I promise you, if he was okay, he was telling everybody, I'm fine. Yeah. And they all knew what he was doing. So when he came back into it, I don't even think, I think that as a, as a player, you don't really care. You know, the next guy goes in, he does his job. We're fine. If he comes back, the other guy comes in and plays, you play. You're not sitting there going and looking at the clock going, okay, there's only four minutes left and he's got to sit 15. So he should be back in four minutes from now. It doesn't even enter your mind. You're it's just, you just go back to work. Okay. If he comes back, he comes back. That's why you're on the show as a player's perspective. Yeah, maybe maybe like when you twist an ankle when you're playing tennis or something like that, and they got to help you off. There's a little bit more concern with you guys, but not not so much with us. Tennis is rigorous on the body. Oh boy, man, you guys must get blisters on the bottom of your feet and things like that. I don't know how you can play through that stuff. You know what? You want to go on the court with me? No. Okay. Just asking. Just asking. Cause I'll need about four to six. To I did get ready. pick one in ten. I want tennis one and two in college though, and racquetball. You were? Oh yeah. So why are we playing? Why don't we just go out and hit the ball like buddies? Because I still have a wooden racket. Oh wow. Yeah, and it's the size of a fishing net. You know, you should probably get that priced out. That's an antique now. It might be worth money. Yeah, you know, I can put it next to your trophy. <laughs> For sure. All right. At Logan underscore Onyx YT, how good can Hints be in his prime? With him becoming a very good two-way player, can you see him becoming a Marchant or Bergeron-type player and be 75 points a season? I will take Marchant offensively. I will not take Marchant's style of play. Uh, my goodness, per- Patrice Bergeron, first ballot Hall of Famer. That would be absolutely I'm guess- I'm guessing Logan's a Boston Bruins fan. Yeah, guy. I know. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I mean, Patrice Bergeron, my goodness, what a career he's had. It's been so you're basically uh, you're Are you basically saying that Hintz is going to be a Hall of Famer? No, what I'm saying is me personally. No, that's what, that's what the – so you're comparing him yeah, to yeah. one Hall of Famer for sure. Yeah. I would have no problem putting Brad Marchant in the Hall of Fame. I wouldn't either. I but wouldn't either. I, 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 would I disagree not. with his what he does at times. Yeah, I, you you start with Bergeron, and you are talking like the perfect centerman. Yeah, and so I, you know, a guy that's been nominated what nine times for a Selkie. Yeah, whatever he's it is. amazing. Um, yeah, what an amazing two way player. Yeah, sometimes I think it's always good to use comparables, but sometimes the you know some people are just out of reach. Yeah. Um And the other thing is, is the leader. Uh, I don't think you take into account for the leadership that that Bergeron probably provides in that room on and off ice. You know what? This the ceiling is is there. (laughs) I'm this kid in today's game, the way he skates and the way that you cannot hit, and I'm talking about at the net. Um, You remember the day when a forward would want to come in off the wing flying like that, that offside defenseman, it's like a, a heat-seeking missile coming to knock you out in front of the net yeah. when you take cuts to the front. <clears throat> that That is a bonus for players today, that you don't have to worry about that because it happens very, very, very rarely. As a matter of fact, I can't remember the last time that hit has happened in front of your goaltender when the offside defenseman comes across and somebody that's dropped their shoulder and, and starts cutting to the front of the net. How many times Hints has the ability now to come in from a goalie's right side 
and walk all the way across the crease and put it in on the opposite side of the net without being confronted. Uh, so that's a bonus for him. Now, I believe that that he should be a steady 35 to 40 goal scorer. That's what I I think that that's there for him. Again, that a lot of that has to do on the team you're on, um, your wingers and you know everybody else that's around you. But with his ability to finish, it's not just his speed. He can finish and he's dangerous and you have to be aware of him every time. Now the, the one factor that may come into play is health. Yeah. That's you know, what I was going to say. Some injuries. So, um, you know, if you're a Dallas Stars fan, you're hoping he stays healthy, but, but he, he's a one man wrecking machine right now. Uh, that's for sure. And every time he seems to touch the puck and we talked about this before is that, you know, the big thing for those guys and the biggest strength of what, what Rupe does is he has no fear taking it to the net. And, and again, that's what I, I would like to see more of from Garyanov. He's got just as much speed. Um, he just, you know, he, when he plays, he, if, when you're on your natural wing, um, it's a little bit more difficult at times to bring pucks to the net. It's, it's easier to bring it uh, on your backhand. You have more leverage. You can get your arm down. You can hold the puck out a little bit more, but um but no, Rupe, I mean, again, this where, where Dallas is right now is it has a lot to do with, with hints in the goaltending, yeah. for sure. Yeah. And you can't take his line mates out of it either, because between Pavelski and Robertson, you know, they're doing it as a trio, but but Hints is the guy that drives that line. There's no no question. And let's also point out if he continues to stay healthy and continues like he is, the great signing by Jim Nill doing a multi-year contract because he's tied up next season at only 3.15. If he was up after this season, which easily could have happened as a restricted free agent, the stars would have been looking at, if he keeps this up, six to seven million, maybe. So I'll tell you, this, this isn't a surprise. I remember we were, we were in Austin and we were down there for training camp, uh, what, three, four years ago when Rupe was coming along and just sitting in the room with Hitchcock at the time when he was here, that's all he could talk about was Rupe Hintz. And, and he was, he was, he was on the edge of staying up and, and the, the feeling between, you know, coaching staff and management was he needs, let him, let him stay, let him stay in Cedar park, let him stay here, let him do his deal here and and he'll be ready. So he has been, this was a, obviously a, a scouting department and, and Jim and those guys that, you know, found Rupe and, and dedicated themselves to him. They, they tied their wagon to him early. And they were going to bring him along the right way, which obviously is paying off right now. Like I said, um, he's got, I, I think he's got two great line mates right now. One in, in Robertson that, you know, does little things and finds ways to get pucks to the net off. And, and, and I think you've got a, a leader in, in Joe Pavelski. And I think for Joe's sake, I think for, for Joe playing with Robertson and hence, <laughs> he doesn't play like a 37 year old. No, he doesn't. No. Was it a 27-year-old? No. Once again, Jim Nill, give him credit. I mean, if we're if I'm going to dog Jim Nill on some of these deals, I'm going to give him credit that Pavelski, even though it started out slow, he needed to get used to the team. It's been a really nice signing over three years. Uh, at Thackman05, Aaron Thacker, what is helping the turnaround and the scoring? We talked about hints. We talked about goaltending. What we haven't mentioned, Craig, is the dynamic of the hot start. Coming out of the gates, scoring that first goal extremely quick. 
uh, I think that just basically sets the tone, especially in your own barn. Yeah, you know, I I, just, I look at the, the game. Like I talked earlier about five man units. Uh, Dallas now, if you can, if you could take a rope and tie a rope to all five players, and so when when the left winger moves this way, the centerman comes there, the right wing comes there, the lefty comes, the right D comes. They all seem like they're attached at the hip. And when you watch them defend or come up the ice for the most part, they're playing in five-man units. Like they're not waiting. When, when someone moves to a player, you're not, they're not reading to see what happens. The next guy's coming. The next guy's coming. They're moving up and down the ice in, in, in units of five. And, and I really think that has a lot to do with it. And what they've got now, probably most importantly, is confidence. And you can see it. They're playing with confidence, you know, and I, <clears throat> I get them on it on them at times when we are up by two goals, three goals. And, and we, you know, the defensemen take an extra chance. They jump up in the play. And next thing you know, it turns into a, a two on one or a three on one on the way back and at a needless time, time and score, but that's who they are. That's how they're playing. That's how they're going to have success. They're going to live and die by it. And right now they're having success. And one of the reasons you can do that is because you have a goaltender back there that can make that outnumbered save. And you have confidence in your goaltending and you got confidence in the defenseman that's playing that two on one or that, you know, two and a half, three on one, that he will do his job the way you're supposed to do your job. He's going to take away a certain pass and he's let the goaltender come out and challenge at the right time and have the confidence that when he comes out to challenge, that puck doesn't get slid across to the open winger. And we saw uh, two of them, uh, two shorthanded, well, hints. When he when they were playing against uh, St. Yep. Louis, yep, and both of those goals, shorthanded goals that were scored, one was a forward that was back in Perron, I believe it was, and the other one was a defenseman, but both of them played the two on ones wrong. And Bennington, as a matter of fact, on the second one, I remember him after the puck went in the net, he turned around and he looked at the player that overcommitted on the puck puck handler, the guy that had the puck, and he's like, "That's not how you play it. You let me come out and take that shot." After we get, he gets down like top of the circle area. Now that defenseman has to take that pass away and he's got to make sure it doesn't get across. So anyway, but now they have confidence in, in the people that are playing the two on ones. More importantly, they have the confidence that if we're going to give up whatever the number may be, two or three outnumbered rushers in a game, that's that goaltender's got to make that save for us. And I just believe there, I mean, again, you keep coming back to the word confidence and I, I just think they have, and again, it, it can go to the coaching staff. The players have confidence in, the, in, in what they're doing, and they have confidence in the coaches that are asking them to do certain things, and it's starting to pay off. Nick Marock says, I would like a shout-out. For those of you that don't know Nick, uh, bang guy, and I just want to say I am pro-bang guy, and I think it develops character in the barn. And the only guy in the whole building that wears all white every single I game. I know, man. I know. Yep. I hated that they took away the bang. Because yeah. to me, it's like, who cares, man? That's character. It's like an organist playing at the arena. It's like, do different things. You want to create a hostile environment. If you know, if people are upset around season ticket holders, then move your section. But let the guy cheer. Let him bang up against the boards. We need that. Who wants a soft barn? Not me. And you, and and not to say you guys are pretty much the same height. Hey, you know what? He's a good height. No offense, Nick. That's not against you, Nick. Yeah, I'm sure it's not. Of course. (laughs) You're a jerk. (laughs) 
Jacob Wallace says, can they keep this winning streak going? Yes. Columbus always plays them tough. I know it's a different Columbus team, and you're right, Craig. They are facing some injuries, but, you know, you have Columbus and then you have Arizona. Arizona is going to be really interesting in three years. I love their general manager coming from the St. Louis organization. I love what they did as far as collecting all the draft picks, but probably two to three years away. Uh, Laces out Finkel. Hockey Hawk. That's my nickname, Craig. I don't know if you knew that. No. Oh, okay. All right. How do you feel about the issues surrounding blackouts and broadcast restrictions? And then oh. he asks, Luds, how do you feel about the growth of the sport in North Texas as far as adult beer leagues go? Do you want to go first? Or do you want me to go first? <laughs> Let me take the beer league one. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I got to play at 10 15 tonight. Um, so you play in a beer league? Well, it's a men's league. We we play. Well, I'm on the ice every day with our 18 year olds, and then we play three times a week. So um, is it we got some of the alumni. We what's that? Checking loud or no? Um, not necessarily. Okay, but okay. You know. But as a former athlete, and as a former athlete that was in the league for a long time, and you mentioned, oh, I don't score. Well, your first couple of years, you put up 25, 30 points. So that was pretty darn good with the Canadians, but. What I'm asking is how many guys in these beer legs like try to act either a tough around you or try to go around you so they can like with a sense of pride say, ah, I I beat Craig Ludwig to the puck. Too many. <laughs> <laughs> so but all you have to do is every once in a while you bump into one of them and think, you know, they'll they'll they figure it out. So yeah. Um, you know, for the most part, we, we have fun and we're out there to have a good time. And, but I'll tell you what, there, there's a lot of good players and we're finding, and it's only because I keep getting older, but there's, you know, we're, there's teams, you know, not even guys that I play. I mean, they're 25, 30 years old and they can fly. So, but again, you, you just learn how to play against those kind of guys. I guess it, you know, I, I've been, I've been playing against players better than me my whole life. So um, <laughs> I'm, I'm used to that. You know, and you just, you learn how to, you learn how to play against those guys. So, uh, but I, but I think it's great. And, and I'll tell you what, 99% of them are, are awesome guys and they just love to play hockey and they just love to be out there. And um, you know, when you got guys coming to start a game at 10, 11 o'clock at night, you know what it means to them. Or, you know, we got some of our guys that, I get calls to drive out to Euless for God's sakes to play a 6:30 a.m. game on a Saturday morning, and I just, you know, I'm lucky if I'm home by 6:30 in the morning. Go back and play a game. Oh, that's awesome. That <laughs> so, is awesome. Okay, think about the uh, blackouts and broadcast restrictions. I hate it for the regular fan because now you're asking me to pay a cable company or you know, one of the digital um, and Bally's isn't readily available. So I need to go and find, if I'm a stars fan, I need to go find a provider that gives me hockey games. On top of that, I can't get the NHL package because that is blacked out as Fink mentioned. And on top of that, even more, now I have to subscribe to ESPN plus. So I just think with a league that continues to grow, I understand ESPN's method of getting people to sign up for ESPN+. Plus. I just think that hockey at its stage 
should be available for everyone, every single game, and you shouldn't have to go looking for it. And where is it tonight? Yeah, I, I can't disagree with you. Uh, you know, again, I, I guess for me, like with ESPN and ESPN Plus, it's definitely, it was, it's cheaper, right? No, you don't get every single game. Right. And I like, I, I always did like being able to select the, you know, the crew that was calling the game. Um, I really like watching for whatever reason, Canadian broadcasts you know, have a little bit more. Um, but as far as stars games, I mean, I, I've been, you know, I've been on the road and times I've got the app. And so I'm able to, you know, I can get it on my computer, um, the valleys. And so I can get all the stars games regardless of where I am. And if I have to, I just plug it into my TV, you know, with one cord to another one, you get to watch it on TV. So, um, but no, I, I agree. I mean, I, I didn't even realize it. Um, that uh, all the games weren't going to be on ESPN or ESPN plus, because there's been a couple games I wanted to watch and, you know, you're, you're clicking around and I'm like, what the hell? It's got every game here. Where's this other game? And it, they don't have it. So that's disappointing. So I, I don't disagree. I, I, I wish we could watch every game and any game that we'd like to um, every night. You know what I love about the uh, Canadian feed is I get uh, commercials from Nova Scotia. What is your, why does that please you so much? I don't know. It's just fun to see different commercials, different TV promos. I think it's fun. Oh, Tim Hortons. Yeah. When I tried it, I didn't think it was that great. Yeah. I'm not a coffee guy, but yeah, I don't know. everybody, man, they, you watch Razor. Anytime there's a Tim Hortons around, that dude will <laughs> rent a car 25 miles away to go get, get, get a Timmy's. I mean, I will say when I was in Vancouver, I had to find one just to, just to get it, you know? Yeah. But all right, Craig, that's it for another week. So thank you. I hope you cheer up. My birthday's in a couple of weeks. What you getting me? Same thing I got you last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's always a slice. I <laughs> uh, did want to mention that Jared Sandler's Sandlot Charity happens this Sunday, and one of the things you can bid on right now is dinner with Craig Ludwig, joined by Gavin Spittle. It's the one time of year that Craig is forced to hang out with me. Now, I will say this. I know there are a lot of great items, but if you want to sit for three hours and get delicious food and listen to absolutely unrestricted delicious stories then you need to bid on this because craig lets it fly and all night he will make fun of me and that's okay because it's going to charity and it's not this this dinner is not rated pg no no we actually do we, we have actually, a, do we have a place for the dinner uh you know i'm not sure i you know I'm, i'll have to check if it's the same place but we actually go out afterwards we take the people with us you know Everyone coming up to me, Gavin, I love you. And I'm like, cool, meet Craig. Do you, do you expect people to believe that? Like, you, <laughs> you, not you at all. Not at all. <laughs> oh, man. But go bid, please. Sandlot Charity. Uh, it's such a worthy cause. Co- and for those that don't know, the Sandlot Charity gives equal opportunity 
uh, for athletes with whatever disability they might have. So it makes them, gives them confidence, makes them feel great. So Jared's done uh, an amazing job with that. So look forward to having uh, dinner with uh, Craig. And thanks for all of you for listening to another edition of Spits and Suds right here on 105.3 The Fan. Have a great one, Craig. Hey, back at you.